available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. David, that was a very normal intro for you. Are you okay? You feeling all right? A little subdued. I'll be honest. A little. I'm going to have to get energized as we go. Ah, I like it. The energy level, we need to pump it up. We need to bring it up. Uh, we need to dial it up to 11. Can I tell you, I was in South Bend on Saturday night mm-hmm. watching all the Pac-12 games. Mm-hmm. I was fired up. Yeah. Why could, were you fired could, up? Could you tell? Why? Uh, I went 5-1 and one in my picks. Uh-huh. Uh, previous week, I was 1-4. Before that, 1-3. To what do you attribute uh, your improved picking? <sighs> I put some real money on it. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. You finally were committing yourself to the cause. I did. And uh, I have to thank our sponsor, again, my bookie, because they're back. They're back at the Podcast of Champions. So I put down real money that I made from other things, not from this, because we don't make any money on this, other things on all these picks. And I, that Friday night, I was a little bummed. I'm like, my first real bet, ugh, it's not there. Well, I hit my next five on Saturday. I got them all. Was very excited. You actually tweeted something like, "Ryan, who did you pick on Friday night?" Because you got, you had Arizona, and I had Washington. It's terrible. I'll never pick Washington again, by the way. Um, but after that, five and zero, oh. and you had a great week too. You went four and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was very excited. So I I'm could tell. South, I'm at South Bend. Like the, I think it was. Uh, I forget one of the reporters next to me. I'm watching the Oregon State game. Oregon State, you know, come back and and beat Utah. I'm getting excited. There's other reporters watching the Dodgers game. Like. Is anyone really paying to the attention to the USC Notre Dame game that's going on right in front of us? No, I'm watching the Oregon State game on my little TV because I know this one's covered. So I was I was pretty excited. But um, yes, my bookie is great stuff. I hope you guys can go out there and use it. Mybookie.com. Um, they also have, and I just put this bet in. They're doing these locks that you cannot avoid. You have to go in there to my bookie do it. So you want to do it in Pac-12 bets, but also there's an NBA lock of the season. All that has to happen on Friday's game between Dallas and Denver is one team scores. So as long as it's not a 0-0 tie, all you do is you bet money. I put $25 down. You can bet up to $25. If someone scores, you win. It's that simple. So That's beautiful. It's a lock. So I'm doing that. I'm excited. I'm getting everything going. If you're a Pac-12 podcast fan, Podcast of Champions fan, use a promo code PAC12 and my bookie will instantly double your first deposit. So the promo code is pack 12 and your funds will be doubled. Plus you get the winner, you know, no, no lose bet, which is great. We love the lock kind of bet. And then on Saturday night, there's going to be a hundred dollar risk-free wager on the light heavyweight championship main event fight for the UFC. So UFC 267, you have two can't lose bets. Plus you can now follow our picks that are apparently good again and get into it. So get in with us. I'm so I'm, 
Can you tell I'm excited? I can tell you are pumped. You are pumped out of your mind. But go to mybookie.com and use promo code PAC12, and uh, they will take care of you there. So uh, good stuff. But yeah, our picks were way better. I like that. I like when our picks are better. I'm still well below 500, but 5-1 five and one is a good start to climb out of that hole. Yeah, yeah, it's a good uh, a good beginning. Uh, you're chipping away. We'll say that. Yeah, um, but that does still leave you, I believe. I'm a, a two games behind you, I think, still or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it leaves you at twenty four and thirty. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, you're below five hundred too. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> but I'm, we both I'm, got better. I'm twenty six and twenty eight. Yes, you're twenty four and thirty. Right. So it's no bad, but five and one and. This is really like sort of like my first week this past week because that's the first time I actually bet money. So that's a that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> the other stuff is just, you know, on my white white erase board or whatever. Like, you know, just this is real money now. It's so. like in 2016 how USC actually won the national title because their first week was really the week that they had Sam Darnold as the starter. I, yeah, I think they were undefeated under with Sam there Darnold. There you go. They were like a nine and O team. Uh, but make sure you go check out my bookie, and uh, we're glad to have them back as a sponsor on the podcast. We don't want to talk about it at the beginning, but if you want to send us some questions, we don't have a lot of questions this week. It's a sort of a sort of a quiet week. I don't know. I thought it was kind of an exciting week in the Pac-12. We'll get to all that. But if you have any questions for us, Pac-12podcast at gmail.com, or you can call or text us at 424-532-0678. We got a couple of voicemails this week. Our buddy Evan and Tempe and Perk, they like to call in. Uh, we love to hear from them. You can tweet us at Pac-12podcast on the website. It's Pac12podcast.com where you can see all the picks and all the links to everything that we have done. And if you go over to reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions, you can interact with the other POC listeners uh, on our Reddit page. And we need some reviews. The Apple Podcast, we've been getting tons and tons. Sort of like took a week off, I guess. So Apple Podcast reviews. We only had one rule breaker. That's it. That's all we had this week. Wow. So anyone would have done a five-star review this week, they would have got $100. Literally, this person could have just done a five-star review and written the exact same review, and we'd be reading it on air and giving him and giving 100 bucks to uh, to Jockey. Yeah. So that was another week we can do a $100 giveaway. So that's great. So uh, we'll, we'll roll it over next week. Um, but well, you better we, you better write your damn reviews, people. Yeah, and we do appreciate it. We've been getting a ton of reviews. For, for the size of our show, the number of reviews we're getting gets crazy. Uh, but we do appreciate that the... the the show's been growing. There's just so many more people that are getting involved and sending in questions and, and giving us feedback and stuff. We appreciate all that. And we love that Jockey is able to, to give these giveaways. So it's fun. You know, something to do for the listeners. And uh, no one has reviews like the people that write. For, I mean, our reviews are so freaking funny. It's great. Like, the, the, the listeners are smart. Uh, they get us. You know, we're not sure why we're even doing this. But they, they, they get us for some reason. They like listening to us. And uh, we love uh, hearing from them. So thank you to all the listeners. And hopefully we get some more reviews uh this week yeah so ap poll there's some little newsy stuff for you david uh oregon's number seven hey i think this is the most they've been in the top i think it's, i forget seven weeks in the top 10 wow most since like 2014 so where are all the other pac-12 teams right <laughs> there's none oregon state should be in there uh-huh i think they should be in there where are they they're not are they in the others receiving votes they, yeah like a couple like I think like four or five people gave them a vote or something stupid. Well, and here's the insane thing is that Oregon shouldn't be. Like Oregon should not be seventh. Like that's not the seventh best team in the country. That's no. insane. They beat Ohio State. It's the only reason they're there. Right, right. The but only since, reason. But since then. Because you can't keep Ohio State as high as they are right. if Oregon is out unranked. Right. They only beat UCLA by three. Come on. Yeah. 
I talked you in that one, by the way. I know. I'm, really, that, I'm really happy you did. I was like on fire, like with these picks. Like, um, I feel like I'm in a, a zone now. But yeah, I, I'm like, I'm like, man. In the beginning, UCLA is up 14 nothing, and I still felt pretty confident. Yeah. In that one, we'll get to all that stuff, but uh, yeah. And I was like, and then I'm like, damn it! I talked David into picking Oregon. Like, if I just just said I'm picking Oregon and didn't like give him all the spiel, which is kind of why we're doing this, we're giving everyone the spiel, right? Right. I totally talked you. <laughs> oh yeah, you did. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just, but I was so happy I didn't care. You know, it was good. Um, okay, let's go to the survivor pool real quick. Um, eight people are still alive, so we had eight going into it. Eight people are still alive. Um, so there's, as far as two years ago, we had a winner on week eight. So all the eight players, congratulations. You've, you're still going strong. There's four players that still have USC, which they play Arizona this week or Arizona state to pick this week. Uh, and good luck to Larry jr. Who only has Stanford at minus two and a half left among the six betting favorites this week. So I, I like Stanford's chances, but now it's getting to the point where like you're going to be picking someone you really don't want to pick. At least yeah. you can pick a favorite. Like you might be weeks when there's no favorites left for you to pick. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad this has been going. Thanks again, Matthew, for uh, keeping all this going. So um, it looked like okay. So the seven winners, seven people picked Washington. Oh my god! Like they could have had a winner, and then one had Cal. That Cal guy was just begging for Washington to lose. Uh, and they should have lost. They, they absolutely should have. Yeah. Uh, but he would have won, um, and he did not. I just, oh, God. how much pain? I mean, we'll, we'll get to all that stuff. I just feel so bad uh, for Arizona. Um, okay, we also have. Did you read uh, Kyle Bonagora, our friend? Uh, I did his story on Nick Rolovich. Really, a deep dive into everything that's going on. And I think so, he, if you had speculation about like what were his reasons, like oh my gosh, did he have real heartfelt concerns based on his religious beliefs? Did he? Gosh, did did he have some sort of immunocompromised issue? Like what what could what could possibly have motivated that guy? Guess what? It was conspiracy brain. That's all it was. You completely nailed it when you were like, he's literally going to quote Facebook posts. And, and he did to an epidemiologist or whatever. It was so cool. <laughs> it was you took an anonymous poster from some random message board and you put him as the head coach at Washington State. That's what happened. Yeah. Conspiracy brain. Wow. Run amok. Uh, it was a great story by Kyle Bonagora. Check it out. Um, I think it's uh, free on ESPN. I don't think it's behind their paywall. No, I think it's free. Yeah. Um, so check it out. Uh, it's got a lot of cool little details, cool little nuggets. The The whole anecdote of the professor of epidemiology saying basically, yeah, he was just spouting the same crap that you hear on social media um, about how Bill Gates is going to put chips in your body, basically, and yada, yada, yada. Um, it was really beautiful, really insightful, um, and uh, exactly... Uh, exactly as dumb as you would have thought. Yeah, it's uh, great stuff, Kyle. I mean, I remember talking to Kyle at practice, and he's a Washington State guy. And yeah, he knows no, the, he and he knows the program. He knows he knows there. everybody yeah. there, and uh, you could tell just from talking to him how embarrassed like everyone there was. Like it's just it was embarrassing. And well, that was the thing is if you were paying attention from the very beginning of this whole thing to anybody who had any kind of actual affiliation to Wazoo. It was never a question of whether he would be fired. It was just when um, they, that this was going to be a deal breaker for him um, because of that embarrassment. They just opened a medical school in the last like decade, I think, last yeah. five years or something. Like they could not have this as <laughs> as as something being like a 
you can't have that be the public face of your university if you're trying to, you know, be a mover and shaker. And I think Washington State is. I think that university is trying to be, um, you know, more prominent. And uh, I, I think they they absolutely just throw all the other stuff aside. They couldn't have the PR hit of retaining this guy. Yeah, uh, it, it, it is bad. But I mean, great story by Kyle. And uh, it just seems like this. This is a program that's ready to heal and sort of move on. And we'll get into the the game over the weekend with BYU. And then, you know, they got a trip uh, coming up to Arizona State. So it's, you feel bad for the players, you know. It's, it's tough. Um, they lost a coach that they really believed in, you know. And he did some good things. But, you know, Washington State went out and hired a couple of, um, you know, run-and-shoot guys that were that – I think they were coaching at Hawaii when Rolovich played there. Um, so they brought a couple, like an offensive line coach in and a quarterbacks coach in to help out. So they're doing that, you know, they're doing their best. And I, and, you know, Pat Chun, uh, the athletic director sort of like was looking into this stuff before it's just not easy. There's just not a lot of dudes that run the run and shoot around. So, um, they're, they're doing what they can to help the players. And they're the ones that are losing in all of this. You feel bad for them. Um, did you hear, I didn't even realize this. Like, so Brian Harson and I think Mike Leach too, are like not talking about their vaccination status. Like there's. It looks like that could be coming to a head at some point. I, I haven't delve into this. I just kind of saw a little bit about it, but I'm like, man, it, did you learn your lesson from Rolo here? Like, apparently not. Yeah. Is there something in the water in that, like, uh, eastern Washington, western Idaho region where, you know, you got Mike Leach, Rolovich, Brian Harson going to Boise, and now he's at Auburn? Like, just what's going on, guys? Yeah, something something's weird. But I don't know if that something's going to happen there, but. I mean, uh, probably we just saw this play out. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't take a, a, a crystal ball reader to, to figure out where this might go. Yeah, like if Auburn was undefeated, they probably wouldn't care. No, but they're always looking to fire their coach. They were looking to fire Gus Malzahn when he was like winning 11 <laughs> games a year. <laughs> uh, crazy. Um, now, we we do have some, you know, there there's some teams in this conference, David, that are not very good at football. Is yeah. that is that fair? You don't say. And then some some units are worse than others. Maybe the worst unit in all of the Pac-12, if not college football, is Colorado's offense, potentially. What, they have like, there was like five games where like 100 yards passing or less or something like that. But Sure. So I think they're trying to fix things. You think so? Yeah, they uh, they fired their offensive line coach, uh, Mitch uh, Mitch Rodrique. Oh, and, and he had such a good resume, so that's a big hire. That's a big fire because he was coaching, um, was it high school football right before he was hired <laughs> at Colorado? He'd never coached at the Power 5 level and was coaching high school when the Buffaloes hired Right. <laughs> so he's got, so I think the offense is going to get significantly better going forward. Right, right. No, it's like that price is right thing where you're like looking back and you're like, is this is this good enough? Like, is this the right, <laughs> yeah, like, is that fine? And no, 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 you can't just fire your offensive line coach, buddy. Gonna have to, so Carl Durrell to I think um, to even lightly assuage Colorado fans, and I don't even think this does it. He's got to fire his entire offensive staff. Yeah, yeah, you got to go down to the studs right now. Um, he I also don't, has to get his hands off of it, right? Because I well, you so, nailed so, that too. So the, the thing is, the thing is, it's not going to fix it. I'm just saying from like uh, turning the heat down a little bit, he has to fire that entire side of the ball. Like, has to fire everybody. I don't think it fixes anything, unfortunately, Colorado fans, because Carl Durrell um, thinks he <laughs> knows offense. And so he's going to continue to put his fingers all over it. Um, and it's going to be bad. 
But I think that's the only way to turn the heat off of him. Yeah. Um, otherwise, like if they continue this way, there's going to be a lot of heat to fire him at the end of this year. I don't think they they did this. Colorado, which isn't like you know, I mean, they've had some issues like just having winning teams. They fired John Embry after two years when it clearly wasn't working. Yeah. Uh, Carl Durrell is clearly not working, and if it continues to clearly not work in this way, he's either going to be like in a real situation where the AD is going to be demanding that he make some big changes, or he's getting his ass fired. Yeah. I don't know if they have the money to do it. His buyout, I think, is in the tens of millions of dollars. Wow. I looked at the contract. It was like, I want to say it was like 14 or $15 million. Wow. Yeah. He was a really good wide receiver coach at the Denver uh, Broncos. He wasn't. He wasn't even that good. <laughs> but then why did you still hire him as their coach? It's insane. They're they're paying him $3 million. They're paying Carl Durrell $3 million. I mean, UCLA, whatever you want to say about what UCLA did, they paid him 600000 <laughs> They're paying Carl Durrell $3 million to run the worst offense in college football. It is so bad. I'm so sad for Colorado. It's so bad. Because honestly, uh, team-wise, I think if they had like a typical like spread option-y offense this year um, with that defense, like if they just had like something that was, you know, creating mismatches and like, you know, getting numbers leverage, the whole thing. If they just had somebody who was running like Whatever you want to call a modern college offense, they'd be six and six or seven and five this year. It yeah. wouldn't be embarrassing. I mean, it's going to be embarrassing. Two legit running backs. Like, there's there's talent. That offensive line was not supposed to be this bad. Yeah. Um, no, it, it it what he's done is uh is a travesty. It's it's so bad. All the Colorado fans that were like, and we haven't even talked about their game yet, which no. was an absolute travesty well, they, they're getting on me at the beginning of the season but i do have to shout out my niece before i forget oh go ahead yeah she is on the rally committee i think at the at cal and uh she was firing the cannon no way boom what's her name i'm not i'm not divulging oh, that information okay, on this well, podcast sorry. i was gonna give her but a she shout was, out she but... was firing the cannon do you think someone's gonna like stalk her or i'm something? not doing that yeah oh. no we're not we're not divulging names but firing the cannon congrats to your niece yeah i know pretty cool uh, that's awesome. One of my, one of my best buddies, I think both his kids go to Colorado. I feel bad for them. Uh, but yeah, Colorado fans were not happy with me when I picked them to go like two and 10 or whatever this year, but I'm not hearing much from them anymore. There you go. Cause they're not good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's just get right into our pack 12 roundup. I can feel a little better about it since it went mostly the way I thought it was going to go as opposed to the other weeks. Which just seemed like bizarro world. Like now, I don't know if it's going to go back to normal. Like we think this is how things are going to go, and you think you understand these teams well, and that's what it probably won't. But this was a week I just felt like okay, this is a you know you kind of had a, a feel for what was going on here. Um, speaking of feels, man, it's just really hard to just. This is a team that oh man, you just feel feel so bad for them. Arizona Wildcats. Wow. They're still a number 12 team, although I did want uh, to make this, just from watching that game on Friday night, I wanted this team to be number 12 no matter how the game ended. Washington Huskies. Yeah, this was sad, dude, because uh, Arizona should have won this football game. Um, it was 16 nothing, right? You, yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a lot of the blame on Jed Fish. Okay. A, a lot of the blame. Um, there is no universe where they should have thrown the ball 21 times in this game. None. Arizona was able to run the ball with some consistency, and especially with Stevie Rocker, their freshman running back. Did you watch that guy run? He he's fast. 
he actually has some talent. He was bouncing <laughs> off of guys. He like he, has some he was breaking tackles. <laughs> like he looked like okay, you found somebody, and I think he got maybe one second half carry, maybe. And it's just like what what are you doing, dude? Washington has a good secondary. Like, and if you can run on them, just keep running on them. Just keep running, and they wouldn't do it. Um, and in the second half, it went, uh, you know, Will Plummer doing his thing, and it's like you you've got something going because. So also their success rate, I think running zone read with Jamaria Joyner was, I think, 100 percent might have been 80, whatever it was. He was able to run the ball out of the quarterback position. And then he was also making good decisions on the handoff. He came in, I think, as a quarterback. Like, it's not like it's some ridiculous thing where some guy who's just always played wide receiver is coming in because he can throw well in practice. Like he actually has quarterback experience and it does not make sense to play Will Plummer first at all. But. (laughs) Second, if you're <laughs> going to play ball. him, if you're going to play him, like do anything besides hand the ball off. Like there were a few plays where he completes balls over the middle. And if you're an Arizona fan, and I basically was for this game because I really wanted them to win their first game. Yes. Um, and also I was picking against you in this game. So yes. a win would be a cherry on top. Um, every time he threw, even when it was a completion, you were holding your breath because it's like fluttering out of his hand. And it's just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What's going to happen? And then, you know, luckily it occasionally landed in his own player's hands. But um, he shouldn't be throwing the ball. They should. uh, You don't have another quarterback. Okay, so play Joyner. You're just going to zone read. And then he'll throw it five times a game to keep defenses honest. It'll be like Navy or something. Yeah, you'll be an option offense. That's entirely what it is. (laughs) Just do a bunch of creative weird stuff with like two back sets and try to win a goddamn game. Don't try to install your offense that you're going to use in the future. I understand Jed Fish is like a pro-style college guy, whatever the hell it is. Just try to win a frigging game, yes. man. So that means you're going to go option. You're going to play it with Joyner. He can throw the ball a little, the same way those frigging Army quarterbacks can throw the ball a little. Yeah. And you're going to complete four passes a game. But otherwise, you're going to keep the goddamn ball on the ground. <laughs> and you're going to run it with this Stevie Rocker guy. So Jalen John was fine in this game. Fine. Completely fine. He's a big dude. He can, he can you know grind out some successful runs. Stevie Rocker actually looks like he can play. Like, really play. So why not just... Let him play more instead of eight freaking carries in this game. Let him get maybe 15 and see if you can actually develop a friggin' offense. He can break a big play. Like, you need just something good to happen, you know? Like, you I, just have to win a game. Like, just win a game. This is a game you should have won and you didn't win have it. Won. Uh, Washington, um, what can you say? I mean, they're, they looked awful in the first half. That, that offense is terrible. It was. It was like your eyes were bleeding. Oh, my God. It was so, so bad. And then in the second half, it was better. You know, Dylan Morris did not look quite as horrible in the second half as he did in the first half. But they should have scored a lot more than 21 against this Arizona defense. You know, I will say this. I thought Don Brown, it was a a well-called game, except at the very end where they had 12 men on the field for, you know, reasons. Um, (laughs) So... I came away from this one just mostly disappointed with Jed Fish. I think the decision making. There was like that fourth and one he could have went for and didn't. Just like, so many things where it's like you're you're not trying to establish a culture right now. You're not trying to like if you don't win a game this year, all that shit is done. Yeah. You're not coming back from zero and twelve. But if you had an inspiring Friday night win over Washington, and then maybe you sneak another one in one of these final games, you're two and ten. You can sell that. You can say, look. We were down to our fourth string quarterback because you're going to stop playing Will Plummer here in a second. 
uh, we were down to our fourth string quarterback, who was a friggin' wide receiver, and we knocked off Washington, which was a popular pick to win the Pac-12 in the preseason. Yeah, like that's something to sell. And instead, you have oh yeah, I, d- I decided I wanted to keep throwing with a guy who was averaging yeah three yards an attempt. <laughs> that was that was my plan for victory was to keep throwing it with the guy who cannot throw a football. No, I, I think you're right though. You can't say like we're trying to build. You're just trying to win a game, and that's what you can build on. This was a, just an opportunity lost, and I was I, we were uh, I took Keely and Shotgun. We were at a bar in Chicago. Um, like a sports bar checking this out and it was just so pissy to me I'm like are you kidding like Arizona just had burned me the last couple of weeks and I was like that's just way too many points for Washington but whatever I'll, I'll I'll see if Washington plays well they did not and Arizona to their credit came out and just had fire they wanted this one like if you saw the beginning of the uh the Rams Detroit game where, like Jared Goff and and Stafford get to go against each other like Detroit like tried to onside kick like they did everything in their power at the beginning of the game they got like a 10 nothing lead or whatever and then it's sort of like talent caught up with them and they lost I don't think this was exactly like that but Arizona had their foot on Washington's throat and they let them go and I don't know how Demo- I mean can you bounce back from this where you were this close to winning you are now on a 19 game losing streak now you're going to go on the road can you bounce back? And I don't know if they're going to be able to, but I just remember watching this going, Oh my God, I'm so mad. I did win a dollar though. Shotgun's like, Arizona's going to win. I'm like, no, Washington's going to win, but it's going to be like, they're not going to cover. It's just going to be some close thing at the end. Arizona's still going to blow this. So I won a dollar from shotgun on that one. So that was good at least. But um, yeah, I was really pissed watching this game in Chicago going, I can't believe how bad Washington played. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, I was just sad to watch. I will say, I want to shout out one guy, Mo Diallo. Uh, the defensive lineman for Arizona was wrecking shit in this game. Um, now, I know Washington's offensive line is actually sneaky terrible. Like, they were supposed to be really good. They are sneaky awful. <laughs> it's not just that they're average or like a little bit below average. They are awful. Uh, but Mo Diallo made them look even worse than they usually are. So just want to shout him out. Um, and that Arizona defense eye test is better than their actual statistical makeup. Yeah, um, they're actually good against the pass. Uh, they're they're really good. That's always sneaky looking at those because uh, oftentimes the only reason you're good against the pass is because teams just don't bother. They against run you on you. They just run yeah. the shit out of it. Like Pandy's good. They got a couple dudes, you know. Like Pandy's good. There's, yeah. No, there's, I mean, there's but not a lot of dudes. <laughs> no, not a lot of talent, but enough to not be. What are they? Zero and seven now. Like, yeah. come on, Jed Fish, you got to show something here. All right. Well, this is the only one I got wrong. Um was pretty pissed but things got better after that okay our number uh 11 team speaking about offenses and make your eyes bleed colorado buffalo they were taking on our now number eight team california golden bears and if they hadn't literally shut out arizona like two weeks ago <laughs> I, I i would argue they're the 12th te- best team like yeah because honestly, outside of that game, outside of that, outside of that game, Colorado's looked less competitive than Arizona has at several points this year. Like Arizona yeah. played a tough game against Oregon. They played a tough game against UCLA, and they just played a tough as hell game against Washington. And they keep losing these games, but they're playing tough. This was an absolute catastrophe. <laughs> Wait, like Brendan, why is every game a catastrophe? That's just what they are. <laughs> I can't, there's not another word. And like somebody called this out for this in like a previous review or something. And they're like, oh, you got to use different words. And I'm like, sorry, 
That's <laughs> what this, this is. Have you seen this? Um, there's not too many words for catastrophe. <laughs> it's catastrophic watching Colorado play football. Uh, watching Brendan Lewis just drop back out of a uh, behind the center, take a seven step drop and just not be able to read the field and throw it because there's no routes open because everything is slow developing because it's an offense from 25 years ago. Is has anyone seen Brendan Lewis and Dylan Morris in the same oh room? Oh my at the same god, time? it's so bad. Are they um, both the same person? No, or? but like Brendan Lewis, Dylan Morris, Will Plummer, the quarterback play <laughs> in this league is so bad. But also, these offenses are terrible. They're terrible <laughs> offenses. So Brendan Lewis, uh, 69 yards, nice, uh, on 17 <laughs> attempts. Um, they they can't run the ball anymore at all because their offensive line is terrible. They finished Ryan. Uh-huh. With 104 total yards. But see, advanced stats tell you you can't look at yardage. That's not a thing, right? Like, Except can, when it's that bad. <laughs> when it's that bad, you can look at totals. Or when it's that good, total you can yards? look at totals. Who, who looks at total yards? Come on. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, if anything, Cal should have beaten them by more. Like, this should have been an ass-whooping of epic proportions. Chase Garbers was at his best. This was this was the best Chase Garbers can play. Ninety six yards rushing. Ninety six yards rushing. He almost has many rushing yards as Colorado had yards. Exactly, and it wasn't like it was ninety six yards rushing and he got a ninety yard TD. No. It was thirty eight yards was his high, and then otherwise just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away constantly. How do you not cover that? Colorado's defense, I think, has fallen apart a little bit. I think they're they're finally done with this uh, yeah. this, this mess of an offense. Uh, Chase Garbers was really good. Um, but man, uh, the the hierarchy of this league is so getting so apparent. Where it's Arizona and Colorado are the two disaster teams that have absolutely no chance. Colorado's offense is the most hopeless unit in the entire league, no question about it. Yeah. Even with Jed Fish screwing up Arizona's offense, <laughs> they still have more going on. Way like, more. Way more ability to like threaten a defense than what Colorado has. Colorado is hopeless. And it is all on Carl Durrell. 100% on Carl Durrell. It's, yeah, it's like, I don't know, I'm just going to make up an analogy. All right, so you're trying to, like, get a dance with the prom queen. And Arizona is, like, the nerd that, uh, you know, he's got glasses on and uh, retainer in there. And he's in the back corner of the gym. And he's never going to get anywhere close to her. Colorado like missed its flight to come back to, you know, like they're not even in the same like state. There's no way Colorado is making this like Colorado. I mean, Arizona is as bad as it gets and Colorado is like way worse. It's just, it's baffling how these units can be this bad. Uh, six sacks for Cal in the game. That probably doesn't help your overall yardage total, I guess. No, definitely not. Um, 13 yards of offense in the second half for Colorado. Uh, bad. <laughs> It's bad. They're bad. They're not good. They're bad. Uh, Cal, it's funny. Um, our friends over at Rain of Troy kind of talk about USC's offense as like empty calories sometimes where you get yards without points. There's elements of that with Cal too, where there's like, I, I forget the yard. They had over 400 something yards of offense and still didn't score that much. You know, a couple of touchdowns. Um that's bad too. You know, like you got to right. be able to put some more points on the board. If you're going to be, you have a quarterback that runs for over a hundred yards and you get like two touchdowns. Um, there's some concerns there. Like, is that going to translate? Like is Garber's going to have that good of a game, but you still score 26 points. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, Cal looks significantly better 
uh, than than Colorado, but I think just about everyone is. Is I mean, is Washington in that Colorado Arizona group? Or no, they, they're a tier above. No, they're a slight tier above. They're in the same tier as Cal and Washington State. All right. Uh, okay, so that that, that and maybe that, USC. That was painful. Yeah, that was a painful game. Um, speaking of, that's our number nine team, USC Trojans. They were on the road taking on Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, Notre Dame. Yep, I was there. Yeah. So, uh, d- does USC do they know how to score touchdowns? Uh, I think Brett Nealon, the centers, told one of my reporters this week, it's like they're allergic to the end zone or something, like uh, something along they, those lines. What's amazing about USC is, despite the fact that they're actually running the ball this year, like a little bit. Kathy Ingram had like 130 right. yards rushing. But despite like, that, like all of the things that are going wrong for that offense, feel like they are the stereotypical criticism of an air raid. Yes. Like, oh, when you're in the red zone, you can't get it done because the field compresses and this whole thing. And it's like, but they're actually not like doing all of the air raid stuff this year. Like they are running the ball. They're like doing all this stuff. But it's like all these criticisms, though, like it's still it apply. applies to this crap. It still it's like empty yardage from Keaton Slovis. He got 300 yards, not a single touchdown. It's um anyway, I, I, there's an argument that this should have been a much closer game and USC uh, maybe should have won. Um, the advanced stats will tell you Notre Dame was like a if you just played these stats out over and over again, like the number of scoring opportunities for both teams, that Notre Dame was like a forty four percent to win. Um, like it should have been closer than this, but at one time this was approaching blowout. Yeah, um, at the end of the third quarter, so tough to know exactly. USC didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter, right? Um, when it they was already gaining Notre Dame, right? They outgained Notre Dame in the game, right? <laughs> Like they got more yards. I know total yards don't mean anything, but they had more yards than Notre Dame. And they didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. It's amazing how bad they are that you honestly do look at the interim coach and you're like, do they need to make a change? (laughs) We get that all the time. Like you've already made the change. Like there's no, yeah. But they're just like, they look so, they look so confused. They look so like just kind of. uh, The end of the first half, they were in field goal range and like they run a play. They do a run play, then Keen Slovis like scrambles, which he never scrambles, and picks up the first down. They had wasted timeouts on defense. Uh, so they didn't have any timeouts left. They didn't they tried to line up in shotgun to spike the ball. They couldn't do that. So the time just runs out and they don't get a field goal attempt or anything. So yeah, it was it looked like they didn't know what the hell they were doing. How does that happen? Because you had time. Like there was time to get up to the line of scrimmage hmm. quickly and spike the ball. Maybe not two running plays for sure. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe go under center every once in a while so you can spike the ball. That's good. But don't use timeouts on like – I mean, it was like a, a first quarter timeout when like Notre Dame on offense had like a first down and USC's defense called timeout. It wasn't like you were trying to like stop a third down play. It was like they already picked up a first down and you end up calling – I mean, there was just some dumb stuff that was going on. It's just, it's not a well-run organization and you're getting an interim head coach is not going to make that better. So. Right. But you could see, like, Notre Dame's not that good. <laughs> they weren't that good. Yeah. Stanford might beat them this year. Maybe. And Stanford's yeah. not that good. Yeah, Notre Dame is not that good. I think our read on this game was more or less correct, that Notre Dame's not very good. But, USC but they were still is, cover. USC is so discombobulated and bad. Yeah. Now, that said, USC absolutely could beat UCLA. I just want that out there. Like, they're, the way they're bad 
can oscillate so quickly. UCLA has a superpower this year. It's allowing opposing quarterbacks to look way better than what they actually are. Exactly. So like the Dylan Morrises of the world look like studs. Um, yeah, they. I mean, I felt pretty confident they were going to cover this spread, uh, and uh, Notre Dame did. So, but it, it was a, it was a one score game for a little while. But Notre Dame, you know, took Neil Downs at the end. It could like after the game, Dante Williams. The first thing he said was like, "It's like I, I, I want to paraphrase. I forget what was exactly these words, but it was something like, it didn't feel like we lost the game. It felt like we ran out of time." And I told one of the Notre Dame reporters that that he just laughed at me. And uh, it was like, you didn't run out of time. Like Notre Dame took a knee, like at the five yard line, they were going to punch it in and make it a, a 22 point game instead of a 15 point game. You, you didn't score until the fourth quarter. Like you, you didn't get started. You didn't run out of time because you didn't start playing until late in the game, but right. All right. Let's see. So we already went over number eight Cal. Uh, they got their win. I forgot to mention number 10 Washington before, but we already mentioned them as well. Uh, our number seven team, Stanford Cardinal. They were on a bye. Um, so they're licking their wounds, trying to get ready for this week. Uh, our number six team, and I, you know, I'll give them this one Washington State Cougars. Just, they've been through a lot. You know, I don't want to give them the meow. I'll give I think them. that's fair. Is that fair? I think it's fair for this game. I mean, they they didn't. All right, so BYU won 21-19. Washington State covered. They did. Um, and I think for... Did we both... Did I have... I think we both picked Washington State. Yeah, we both picked Washington State on this one. And I think the most important takeaway from this game is that they're not in collapse. Like, after the... Um, they the, weren't in collapse. They weren't in collapse for this game. I have theories on this. We'll talk about that in the preview. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they weren't in collapse for this game. Right. Uh, they were ready to go. Um, I mean, two... Two point conversions missed, right? Like, right. That's, that's the difference in this game. Basically, exactly right. They scored like each scored like a first quarter touchdown, a second, I mean, a third quarter and a fourth quarter touchdown. Both teams like the same. Just Washington State didn't convert. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, they played a really even game with BYU. And I think BYU, even with their issues the last couple of weeks, at the very worst, is a solid team. Um, so I, I don't really have complaints with their performance. So Jaden Delora was once again fine. Uh, he threw a pick, but otherwise he was good. And Max Borgie had one of his better games of the season. Um, three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. <laughs> um, so I, I was I was happy with what Washington State was able to do. I think this still keeps them, you know, in the hunt for bowl eligibility. Um, and I think given the chaos of the season, that's that wouldn't be the worst result. Yeah. Uh, BYU is now 4-0 against the Pac-12. <laughs> they still got USC left. I, I, I agree. I think Washington State played really hard. They didn't roll over and die. Uh, Tyler Algier, he had for BYU 191 yards, two touchdowns on 32 carries, a couple holding calls killed, uh, Washington state. Plus, you know, the two point conversions, there were just some mistakes, which is understandable. You know, like they were right there with BYU. We got some tweets that were people like podcast of champions. People are like high on Washington state. I'm like, no, nah, I just think they're going to cover. I think, you know, BYU was a little banged up, but BYU played well. Washington state certainly could have won this game. Um, you know, Borgie was great. Uh, Delora actually has the most Pac-12 touchdown passes. He has 15 TD passes. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. He didn't have a great game, but um, he didn't have one in this one. Uh, that's The second quarter, he had a pick in the end zone. That would have been the difference. They didn't score in the second quarter. Um, so he did ask the, the Cougar fans to fill Martin Stadium. Uh, they felt about 10,000 seats short of that. It's only like 22,000 people came out. I thought that was interesting just because I don't know. I felt like they might, the Washington State fans might just kind of rally around this team, but there's going to be mixed 
feelings, mixed emotions. There's going to be people protesting like you shouldn't have fired them. So I guess there's, it makes sense that not everyone was going to show up for that game, but I thought they would for the players and I wish they would have. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's, it's tough. It would have been a nice win for the Pac-12. It would have been a good just sort of bounce back for Washington State, but we, I felt pretty confident they were going to cover, and it was a pretty close one um, there. And, uh, you know, we'll see what Washington State does this weekend. I'll give you my theory when we do our picks because I, I got theories on these things. Uh, all right. Next up, we have our number uh, five team. UCLA Bruins. And uh, they were taking on our now number two team. Oregon Ducks. <laughs> Only number two. Only number two. Um, yeah, so Oregon, uh, this was game day uh, out at uh, UCLA's campus, and then at 1230, Oregon uh, took on UCLA at the Rose Bowl. Uh, the Ducks won 34 to 31. Um, kind of a game of runs, we would say. Uh, UCLA looked like it was going to blow them out early. Uh, they it was 14 nothing. 14 nothing in no and, time. You remember, I talked you into this one. You did. And I was like, God damn it, that Ryan. I um, talked you into this. But then after that, picking Oregon, the, I told you. The game didn't go at all the way I thought it would. I thought both teams would have more success running the ball than they did. Um, Oregon's rushing stats look better than the reality was because Anthony Brown uh, did some things with his legs, but their traditional running game was not working. No. Uh, UCLA did a good job shutting it down. But on the other side, Oregon did a great job against UCLA's rushing attack. So this was really quarterback on quarterback, and it's two inconsistent quarterbacks. Um, who but can't. UCLA's magical powers—they make the opposing quarterback look really good. And they, so they made Anthony Brown look okay. <laughs> that was his best game. <laughs> they made him look okay until the very end when he threw two egregious picks, That's which true. allowed UCLA back into the game. Um, but in the meaningful stretches of this game, uh, UCLA um, was. Pretty bad defensively, just allowing Oregon a lot of efficiency in the passing game. They didn't, I don't think they, in the entire game, I don't think they learned how to defend a screen, um, a wide receiver screen. Just, <laughs> oh, no, we're going to, we're going to allow, uh, I think about 12 yards on each one of these. Um, uh, and then UCLA, um, their offense went completely in the tank in the middle stretches of the game. Um, Chip Kelly is, is seemed to forget how to attack this Oregon uh, defense sometime between the first quarter and second quarter. I think some of that was Oregon pushed a lot of its defense up. Um, they were playing really tight on the receivers, also stacking the box and just trying to, you know, we'll either get to Dorian Thompson Robinson or he'll have to make a throw against man coverage. And more than more often than not, they were getting to Dorian Thompson Robinson. They were hitting the shit out of him yeah. basically from the second quarter on. Um, I was wondering for so. God knows what reason. God knows what reason. <laughs> But, but uh, Chip uh, Kelly doesn't like to recruit, right? Right. So he's opposed to like five-star players. So did he decide, you know what? I'm not even going to acknowledge that Kayvon Thibodeau exists because he's a five-star player. So we will not block him. I, that, no, no. I, the like, honestly, there was a play where he blocked him with walk-on receiver tight end Greg Dulcich, oh. who's a former walk-on. Again, blocking the five-star defensive end <laughs> stud who like just uh, like – envelops people like he's got he's gotten like so much bigger this year that he's he's got this bull rush now in addition to all the pass rushing moves and it's just like what the hell are you doing like what the hell are you thinking because not only can not recruiting doesn't not, matter not only does greg dulcich have not a prayer not a chance in hell of winning that assignment ucla starting right tackle doesn't have a prayer of of handling that singled up all game you can't do it alec anderson is a fine player he's not bad but he's not going to be able to handle that consistently for an entire half of football. 
How are you not sliding your line? How are you not bringing in a running back to try to chip him as well? How are you not doing any of these things creatively to try to double team the best pass rusher maybe in the United States? What the hell are you doing? And so instead, they're like, oh, no, we're just going to do standard drops. We're going to try to throw it deep into man coverage. Oh, no, our quarterback got hit again. Yeah, because he's going to keep getting hit. And the, 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 the best part was, like, clearly they had coached Alec Anderson on something because there's this great uh, clip of him not putting his hands on Kayvon Thibodeau. And the reason he's not putting his hands on him is because he doesn't want to touch his face, right? He doesn't want to touch his face because then it'll be illegal hands to the face, right? And so he's just doing this, and I'm doing this motion where I'm pushing air because that's how he was trying to uh, handle this guy. And instead, he just goes right around the corner and pops Dorian Thompson-Robinson as hard as he can. Yeah. It was insane. I felt bad for DTR. It was insane to watch this game. Even if Dorian Thompson Robinson wasn't actually hurt, and he was, like he did hurt his hand, I would have pulled myself from that game because I'm getting hit every single time I release the ball because my coach decided, no, we're not, we are not going to have any additional protection back there. No. Sorry, figure it out, buddy. He had to tweet afterwards like he was, he's okay, right? Right. It was like, it was like the equivalent of uh, putting your thumb up and getting carved <laughs> off the field. Oh my God. He just got crushed. And then Ethan Garber said to come in on the last few plays and he looked fine throwing the ball. He had one incompletion to Greg Dulcich that looked pretty good. And then he threw the game ending pick. Um, Oregon was the much better team on the day. Uh, it was like a 34 to three run. Is that yeah. What? UCLA needed a lot of luck to be that close at the end. They needed those two backbreaking picks. The second one shouldn't have even been thrown. Like, I don't know why Oregon was even throwing the ball right there. Um, the first one was, uh, so Anthony Brown earlier this year threw the worst interception I've ever seen. It was that one um, <laughs> where he just kind of threw it directly to the linebacker in the flat for no reason, like just, and it was like triple coverage or something. Or just like, I, I, you can't even imagine what he saw. This one was over the middle and it would have had to go through two defenders and also bend to the right to be complete to his receiver. Um, and instead, obviously it didn't go through those two defenders. No. It, it landed in their hands. Um <laughs> It was a contender for the worst pick I've ever seen. Um, obviously, also shouldn't have been thrown. Um, but yeah, it needed that. Like UCLA needed that to make this to make even, it closer, make yeah. it even close. Yeah. Um, no, I think I'm. I'm. Well, I'm, I guess I'm a little sad that I talked you into this one, but uh, this kind of went the way. I mean, definitely the runs were there, and uh, I was getting a little worried at the end. I'm like, is Oregon going to give this game away? Because they they really really tried. It seemed like they tried to very much tried. Um, but they they were definitely the better team. The game day stuff, we got to talk about that a little bit. So Bill Walton comes on, and uh, it was funny for our friends at the No Truck St Stops podcast. There was a lot of No Truck Stops talk from Bill Walton. Every time he picked a, a team, it was because of a basketball player or a basketball coach or something from that team, like really nothing to do with the football side of things. He only picked Pac-12 teams. Um, so he picked Washington State. He picked Notre Dame. Uh, I think he went... Really, I think his picks were actually really bad. They ended up being bad, but nobody cares about that. Uh, yeah, I, and the fact that he would—he just controlled the entire stage to the point where Corso and Herb Street just sort of looked at each other. Like when it was their turn, they were just like uh, Iowa State. Like they just said the team they were picking. There was no more. There was no more room for analysis. They they bled into the next. You know that nine a.m. Uh, uh, game that they were going to next. But I thought I mean, I'm not a huge like. Walton like lover or hater or whatever it's like eh, whatever but I thought it was pretty funny just watching him on uh game day what did what did you think about it yeah I thought it was awesome I thought um he was uh transcendent absolutely wow. transcendent uh they should have him on every week yeah so there's there's some good uh 
good, good drops from like you know get that audio like the No Truck Stops podcast. They should use a lot of that oh, stuff. Yeah. It should just be their entire intros. Like all truck 50, all fifteen minutes of that should be their intro. <laughs> that was pretty funny though, but it was good. We did. Uh, did you see like I I I didn't watch a lot of it. I mean, we were in, it was in Chicago and stuff, but. Uh, it didn't look like there was a ton of people on campus, but it looked like there it was, was respectable. Of, it was respectable. Okay. The, the main the main takeaway was that it was respectable, and especially early in the morning, it looked really good. Um, I think actually some people dropped off because they spent. I swear to God, it was an hour talking about Pitt and Ed Orgeron, like that was the show for like a friggin' hour. Oh, and I, I don't want to hear about Pitt and Ed Orgeron, let alone like a nineteen year old college student. Yeah. Um, so actually, the crowd I thought um, uh, dissipated a little bit as the show went on, but at the very beginning, it was a good showing. Like, I, I thought the crowd shots were pretty good. All right, okay, our number four team, Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> They're on a bye. Um, we already talked about number two Oregon, but this was our final uh, matchup, the marquee matchup. Our number three team, Utah Utes. <laughs> And our new, and I'm sorry, Beef, it's our new number one team. Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, the curse of the number one is coming for you. It's four weeks in a row our number one team has lost. Oh, and it could happen this week. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Oregon State knocked off Utah at home. Massive comeback. Um, This was 24-14 half Utah, and Utah had control of the game. And then Oregon State. Ran all over Utah uh, <laughs> in the second half. Um, it was like the opposite of what Utah did with Arizona State. The week yeah. Before. Well, they did. So they've got the same split as Arizona. They threw the ball 19 times, ran it 41 times, but they don't have Will Plummer. <laughs> um, Jonathan Smith dealt the same hand that Jed Fish has. He'd be throwing it eight times. Just letting you know, Jed. Yeah. Anyway. Still angry about that. Uh, Oregon State ran the ball all over Utah. Utah's run defense has been bad. There was some talk that it had been better in the last couple of weeks. That dissipated after this one. Now, in fairness, Oregon State's rushing attack is the best in the league. Very, um, very, And very it's really good. well designed. They do everything so well. But their offensive line manhandled Utah's defensive line. Like That just needs to be clearly stated. We can all move on afterwards, but that just needs to be clearly stated. Yeah. Um, this Utah defensive line has taken a bunch of hits. They've had injuries. They've had a guy out for the season. Like they've had some issues, but Oregon State won that that yes. matchup, and that was the and key factor. Yeah. The key factor in this game. Now, all that said, Utah didn't play poorly offensively, especially. I mean, Cameron Rising was good. Their running game was good. Rising ran the ball well. He threw the ball well. He was fine. Um, they just couldn't get a stop. They could not stop this rushing attack, especially in the second half, and that's really what ended the end of the game for them. Um, Oregon State scored twenty eight in the second half, um, and they they couldn't they would not have been able to survive that. They couldn't keep up offensively with the offense playing pretty well, um, and you know that's end of the day. Um, you know Utah has to figure out its its defense uh, because it's just not up to their standards right now. Yeah, and I thought early on, I think Oregon State could Oh, and have, also uh, their special teams continues to be a disaster. Yeah, there was some weird shit going on in special teams. We'll get into that in a second. But there was a lot of penalties for Oregon State early on. And then they let like uh, uh, Brad Cuthy, like wide open in the end zone for Utah, you know, for a touchdown. Brant Brant Keithy. Oh, whatever, same. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Brant Keithy. Coochie, coochie. Whatever, man. Uh, wide open. 
that was uh, Utah's up 14 nothing at that point. It just looked like Oregon State wasn't near anyone, but they they were moving the ball, but then penalties would would hurt them. It was I think it was 17-14 towards the end of the first half, and Oregon State gets a really nice stop like inside the two-yard line, and it's like that's going to build some momentum, right? They can get the ball back. They're only down three. They turn the ball right back over, and then Utah punches it in. It just seemed like the mistakes were just piling up for Oregon State in that first half, and they were facing lots of third and longs. Utah, the Oregon State defense early on, stopping Utah on first and second down, and then Cam Rising on third and 13 just would pick up every first down. Like if it was third and long, Utah picked it up like every single time. The best chance that Oregon State had was when they would like allow some yards on first and second down. Third and longs, Utah was just killing them. It just seemed like everything wasn't going Oregon State's way. Very similar to the Arizona State-Utah game from last week. And then in the second half, stuff was working for, for Oregon State. I mean, um, you know, th- those rising runs for first downs that were less frequent. Uh, they get a punt block. Um, they get a stop, then a punt block, and they're go and Oregon State goes up 28-24 in the third quarter. There was another punt block that was returned for a touchdown. Did you see this? And then it got called back. Like it was going to be a Oregon State touchdown, and it ended up being a Utah first down because like Oregon State had two men on the field with the same jersey number or something, and then some other penalty. It was like and it even those kind of mistakes that Oregon State was able to overcome in the second half. That was a really weird sequence if you saw that one. Yeah, that was crazy. I don't know what the hell that was. It was two, nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the end, there was one thing that was really good, and it was Oregon State running the ball. It sort of got masked by some of the weird shit that was going on in the first half. It was on full display in the second half, and you could tell that Utah wasn't going to be able to stop them. And, uh, you know, I think it, it ended up the way you, you would have thought it was going to go. And I was very happy that it, that it went this way. But it was, in the beginning, it was just very strange. Very strange. But, I, but overall, like, if you have those numbers or whatever, like, I think Oregon State was outplaying them, like, the entire time. And the second half, you know, proved that out. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, that's all the games. Um, yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll preview week seven and then get into the questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. We're back here on the POC podcast of champions. We got six games. We got no buys. We've got everything we could ever want. A full day. No, no Friday. No Friday. Yeah. Um, and we had no all after the, dark, actually. And all of the games aren't at the like ex- same two times. Exactly. Yeah. Which like last week was. And there was no Pac-12 after dark. We complained about Pac-12 after dark, but... We want it. There wasn't any. We want to inject it into our veins. Yeah. Like, yeah. I finished my game, USC, you know, and I didn't get home until like Yeah, no, I was watching like Houston ECU or some crap. And there was like, I was like, oh, there's no more game for me to watch. Like, it's it's over. Like, oh. I know. That's a long, oh, driving back from South Bend to Chicago. After, that's a that's a brutal one. Yeah, when you stay, we were like the last three people in the yeah. press box. Get back at like, it, plus there's a time change just to drive yeah. back. You gain an hour at least. It's a long, there. brutal drive. It's not It's not pleasant. No, I mean, it, it took us like an hour and a half, but it's just like, you know, at two in the morning, it sucks, you know. And it's then, a long, brutal drive. I don't want to fly in and then drive an hour and a half to go to the friggin' football game. Yeah. But that's what we do. Okay. Uh, all right. So we have six games, like I mentioned. Um, should be interesting. Let's start off with Washington State Cougars. <laughs> On the road at Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> All right, this is 12 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. ASU is a 16-point favorite Woo! over Washington State. So many, you had a points. theory you were going to talk about. I have a theory. Do you want me to do it before? I want to hear it. Okay, I'm going to take Arizona State in this one. My theory is, do you ever like you're playing like pickup basketball? Uh-huh. Go for a rebound or something, come down on someone's, and you have like a good game, and like you come down on somebody's you know, foot, and like you twist your ankle. You're like, uh-huh. oh, fuck. Well, you know, you got your, your shoes all tied up, you got some adrenaline going, and you just go out there and ball for the rest of the game. You're like, all right, I'm gonna like, I can do this. I feel good. I'm gonna finish this off and stuff. Then the minute you get to the sideline, you take off your shoe, and your your ankle swells all up. Now you're in pain, and now it's like, oh, now I got to limp around, and it just. I felt like the BYU game was gonna be the adrenaline game, and then everything sort of comes crashing back down to earth. It wasn't at home anymore. Um, now you got a week of this. You know your your interim coach telling you different stuff. Um, you got to go on the road and play a team that's coming off a bye. I feel like this is Arizona State's to run away with. I just don't see Washington State coming out and playing well. I hope they do. I hope they come out and still have some fire because those kids deserve to get some good stuff happening. They had a three-game winning streak, and it just sort of, you know, when your coach does something like that and just crashes it all, my gut tells me the momentum's over and this is not going to go well are for the Cougs. ASU's won five games this year. How many of those do you think they've won by more than 16 points? More than last year or more than previous years? All of them. Really? Give me ASU. Nice. I like that. Okay. Yeah, this is not the the Herm Edwards of 2019 of winning every game. No, they're they're actually actually beating some teams pretty hard this year. Um, And I think they're going to win. So if I think they're going to win, I think they're They're going to win by by a lot. lot. Yeah. Uh, I think that makes sense, but I, I, I do hope Washington State can come out and play well. My gut's just like, I, I think they might come out and play well, but I think ASU at home is a tough ask, um, yeah. and I think they're going to play well. All right, um, next up we have ooh. Colorado Buffalo. 
on the road taking on Oregon Ducks. I don't even need the line. Whatever it is, I'm taking Oregon. Uh, it's at 12:30 on Big Fox, Colorado at number seven Oregon. Oregon's a 24 point favorite. Give me Oregon. Yeah, I no question. Colorado can't score points. The yeah. only game they were able to score was when it went like full gong show against Arizona in the second half. Otherwise, they were scoring nothing in that game. That was a six to nothing game. Yeah. Right. But Oregon is so bad at covering big spreads. Like it doesn't matter. They are terrible. Like Colorado just to, just is so bad. Oregon sucks at covering these spreads. Colorado they are awful at it. Colorado makes whatever it was, 2017 Cal, 2018 Cal. What's the one that we made fun of really bad? I think 2018. <laughs> okay. Colorado makes them look like 2010 Oregon. Colorado is terrible. Their offense is so bad. They're not going to be able to score points, and their defense has given up. Give me Oregon. Do you remember what Arizona did when they went to Austin? You know, like Yeah, and we just got finished saying that if Colorado had not <laughs> shut out Arizona, we would have ranked them lower, and I still wanted to. Yes. I'm I'm sticking, I'm going Oregon too, but like I don't feel great about it. But I feel wonderful to. about it. Oregon's gonna win this by 38 because they're gonna score 38 points. And that's all. Like Colorado yes, will That is score. all the scoring that will happen in this game. <laughs> all righty. Okay, next up. Uh, we got this one. Arizona Wildcats. They got to try to bounce back, guys. Uh, on the road, taking on USC Trojans. All right, this is 4 p.m. on ESPN U. USC is on ESPN U. Uh, Arizona traveling to USC. Okay, this is this line makes no sense to me. It's USC by 21. Yeah. Like, on so many different levels, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm just going to write down what I think you're picking. Because uh, on one hand, <laughs> USC should blow this team out, and it should be like a, a biblical blowout. Like, it should be 49-10. to 10. The 77 nothing right. Arizona State-Arizona game last so year. So Vegas clearly thinks they're going to beat them, but they don't think they're going to blow them out. And I'm like, okay, wh- wh- where's the disconnect here? Like, what do you think is going to happen then? Um, But here's what I think is going to happen. Okay. I don't think Jed Fish is a dummy. Yeah. I think he might be a little bit of an egotist that he didn't come to this conclusion earlier. I think he might be a little bit of the same sort of stubborn, dumb football coach as everybody else, but not a complete dummy. <laughs> I think me, dumb asshole watching the game at home, and everyone else on Twitter being dumb assholes watching the game at home, saw what he will eventually have seen on the film, which is we cannot continue to play our Real shitty plumber. offense. We have to play gimmick offense. We have to go option. We've just we're just going to zone read the shit out of a team. And what USC's defense is it struck you as a super disciplined unit this year? Hells to the no. Give me Arizona plus twenty one. Yeah, me too, hundred percent. Like yeah. there's, I mean, USC's been blown out at home the last three games in the Pac twelve play. Twenty one points is a lot. Like Arizona could win this football game USC if they get did, silly. It's hard to. If they go full, so here's the thing: Is that defensive staff going to be in any way prepared for Arizona to do something different in this game? No, no, no. they're not gonna. They're gonna look stupid. They're bad. Like USC's pretty bad. The problem is they go pure option with Rocker on one end, Jalen John on the other, and just Joiner, just like literally go triple option. I think they might never stop scoring but, in this game. But Drake London could have 300 receiving yards or something. Fair enough. It might be. It might be 49-42. But, but 21 points is 21 points. Well, and the thing is, Arizona's pass rush, not bad. I mean, I, I'm curious to see what the secondary does because they've been pretty good against the pass, you know, but USC's run the ball well. They just failed to score. So if I'm USC, talking myself into an Arizona win right now. I like it. Um, 
so yeah, there well, there's we have a question on that. We'll get to that. But um, yeah, this is one of those things where, you know, could USC just blow them out because they score touchdowns in the red zone instead of field goals or turn the ball over and stuff? Sure, but like a lot's gonna have to go right for USC to win by more than 21 points. Like I just that's a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't feel bad about this one at all. Like the prop for me. Um, and I'm going to talk to Jason Shearer about this, uh, Wildcat Authority. Like, you saw how much Arizona put into that first half at Washington. It has to be demoralizing to not win that game. Do they come out and, like, just have nothing left? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, if they come out and just, like, they've given up, that sucks. Yeah. But I, I hope they don't. I hope that they can bounce back. But that they put a lot into that Washington game, and it has to be completely heartbreaking to lose that one. Absolutely. All right, uh, next up, our number one team. Sorry, guys. Oregon State Beavers. And congratulations to... California Golden <laughs> Bears. On their impending victory. Um, yeah, since everyone loses in number one spot. 4 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Oregon State traveling to Cal. This Oregon is not Pac-12 Network? Yes, yes. Oregon, Oregon State's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I just got to do it. I'm taking Cal. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think Oregon State's going to be able to run the ball. Yeah. But Chase Garbers has been playing really well. He has. I think this could have like a little bit of shootout potential to it. I'll take Cal. They're the home team, and it's the curse of the number one. Um, but I could go. I could go either way. On yeah. This one. I'm going to go Oregon State on this one. Not feeling good about going against the curse. Um, we saw what you know Cam Rising was able to do running the ball. Chase Garbers ran the ball really well. Like, I, there's no reason not to think that Chase Garbers is not going to run the ball well against Oregon State. Um, Nobody looks consistently good from week to week in this conference. True. Yeah. So Garbers had a good game running last week. So, Cal, probably... so Cal and Oregon State will both look like shit in this game, <laughs> and it's going to be like seventeen to thirteen. Yeah, probably something like that. But I, I feel like the consistent, the Oregon State run game. Uh, I think they can kind of control this. They've just had both teams have had some weird penalties like just looking bad at times when you really shouldn't look bad if it's on special teams or whatever um but i yeah and and for me cal just moves the ball too well to not score as many points as they are i feel like oregon state's going to take advantage of that a little bit more so yeah i'll take the i'll take the beeves i think our, our number one team streak is uh going to be broken so but that's one we got different, so that'll be a good one to watch. Uh, next up, we have UCLA Bruins. They're on the road, uh, taking on Utah Utes. All right, this one's on at 7 p.m. on ESPN. UCLA traveling to Utah. Utah's a six and a half point favorite. So this is a tricky one. Okay. Utah's run I'm defense. I'm not talking you into anything this time. Utah's run defense is poo. Well, Oregon State's run offense is really good. No, no, no. But Utah's run defense is poo. Like it's and Devin Lloyd is out for the first half of this. He is out for the first half. Who's the best defensive player in the conference? Now UCLA's well, run offense. Was, Thibodeau, yeah. UCLA's run offense was just shut down by Oregon, and Oregon's run defense is fine. It's not great, but Utah's run defense again, poo. So UCLA should be able to run the ball, especially in the first half. Um, Utah on its end, uh, their offense has been good. This year, I would say. Uh, they've been able to run the ball a little bit, but Cam Risen's actually been pretty solid all year. He's been great. I think they're going to be able to move the ball on UCLA's defense because guess what? Most teams can't because UCLA's defense is 
They're the magic man. They they make opposing quarterbacks look amazing. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be oh. back and forth. Okay. I think UCLA is going to be able to run the ball, but I also think Utah is going to be able to move the ball. Six and a half feels like a lot, so I'll take UCLA. Okay. Um, if it was seven, I think I'd go there. The the I feel like Utah's going to win by a touchdown or so. Ten, seven, ten points, something like that. I think it's going to be something weird. I think it's going to be like 28-24. Okay. Or 38-34, maybe, with the actual points. Um, I just feel like they're going to bounce back from... You know, they did some really good things. It's weird. Like, they were picking up third and longs, contested catches. Just... I just like the way Rising's playing. I think he'll be able to run the ball, but I think he's going to be able to throw the ball around on the secondary... Um, and I'll look for the Utah run defense to bounce back a little bit, but I feel like at home, they're a different team. Um, you know, even though they were down to, to ASU and, and looking out, they came back in the second half and won. I could see something like that where it's close in the first half and then they sort of run, run away with it in the second half. Right. Um, but I'll take Utah. All and right. then our last game, six, uh, six this week, Washington Huskies. <laughs> they're on the road taking on a fully rested Stanford Cardinal. Yeah, so this one's on at 7.30, FS1. Um, nobody but Washington Stanford fans will be watching this one. <laughs> we'll watch, I want to watch this. Uh, what a putrid fest. Uh, no, because you'll be watching UCLA-Utah mostly. You'll have this on on the secondary screen. Okay. Uh, Washington traveling to Stanford. Stanford's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 48. That shows you what they think of these two offenses. Um Oh, shit, man. Um, <laughs> so Washington, the strength of that defense is their pass. Yeah. Stanford, the strength of their offense is the pass. Because they, they can't run. They can't really run. They, they hit a few explosive plays, but they can't really consistently They cannot run. run. Uh, Washington, what would you say is the strength of that offense? Like, we're getting into comparative advantages here because nothing's good. I mean, uh, they look good in the uniforms. I think yeah, I like the, the, they're pretty uniforms. <laughs> the purple looks sharp. It's bold. Uh, but, I don't know what the but Stanford's defense is also not good. Um, no. So, you know, this just, like, it looks like a friggin' mess of a game. Like, I have no idea who's going to win, but I just watched Washington play horribly. So I guess I'll take Stanford. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going with Stanford as well. Um, I just think, I just think Washington is so bad. And Stanford. Jimmy, uh, that's, maybe that's what I'll go on is that David Shaw, I think, has shown enough this year that he shouldn't be fired this year. Jimmy Lake should be fired this year. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Washington loses. I think we're going to see covers. several punts and plus territory. Oh, man. I think we're going to see field goal attempts. I can't take much more of this. <laughs> like the, the combination of just like absolutely horrendous head coaches in the league this year, plus the, the fact that they're married to terrible offenses is driving me a little batty because it's one thing if it's fun, but there These are, are like, there are several teams in the league this year who are just so bad and they're not fun bad. They're just bad. Like Arizona, I would actually say is like kind of fun bad because it's like, <laughs> how are they going to get yeah, a yeah. yard this time? Um, <laughs> Colorado's not fun bad. No, just terrible. Bad, like, bad. It's bad, like, bad, 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 bad. It's like, it's like a Walk Russian, it's like a Russian novel just watching it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and Washington Washington so, so bad um it's just this isn't this isn't enjoyable to watch no. and I, I want it to stop and I want a lot of these guys fired 
Oregon State should play like a couple times a week so we could see that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Show me Oregon State. Look, as much as I complain about them, show me UCLA. It's fun. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like and it's kind of Zach Charbonnet's like trucking people. Right. That's fun. Or DTR right. like takes off and runs. USC is always fun when they're terrible because it's you know Schadenfreude. You can um, watch. You can watch Drake London at least. Like you watch. True. He has the most but catches. Everyone gets enough enjoyment out of USC losing and looking like they don't know how to play football. That that's fun for the rest of the conference. Yeah. And then I think USC fans have gotten to the place that UCLA fans have been for a while, which is. It's kind of enjoyable to watch your team suck because you're like, we're going to get a new coach and it's going to be great. It's yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. Drake London apparently has the most catches by any Power Five receiver after seven games. That's that, great. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty great. If 15 for 170, whatever. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, those are our games. Um, so we have two picks that were different, right? Uh, Oregon State. I got I got the Beavs. You got Cal. And then... I took Utah, and you were the homer and took UCLA. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's me. Uh, you're definitely the homer. Okay. We got a – let's go to a voicemail first. Is that cool? I would love it. What's going on, guys? This is Evan from Tempe. Um, I want to call about this a few episodes ago, but I just got really busy. Didn't get a chance. But I remember I called him, like, the middle of the offseason. was asking about a Luke Fickle – coming to USC, and uh, I remember both Ryan and David were obviously really into him, and David was like, oh, yeah, you know, he'd be the guy. He's an, he'd be an elite guy, and he was reading his SRS stuff, and he's like, oh, yeah, he'd be the best coach in the Pac-12. you got to do it, all that. And then I remember a few episodes ago, Ryan was mentioning him as a top coaching candidate, and then David was like, oh, well, you don't know about that fit. You know, it's Cincinnati, USC. It's not a good fit. Oh, you don't know. It's not a good fit. So uh, I just want to know, you know, what exactly changed from he'd be the best coach in the Pac-12, which is what David said in the offseason, to now he's not being a good fit, even though he's become proven to be a much better coach this season. So uh, I just want to know what, what's the big thing about the fit that David sees. And if Ryan give us thoughts, that would be great, too. So thank you. Well, the main thing is that the job actually opened up, and I'm really invested in USC hiring somebody who's bad, um, <laughs> and that's my bias at play. Uh, the, the, the thing with the fit is I don't know if they're successfully going to hire him. Um, I don't know if it's a fit from USC's end, where there's probably still some people involved in that process who think of the job as even better than hiring the guy from Cincinnati. Um, and from Fickle's perspective, he might be waiting on something Midwestern to open up, Um I don't know if that's the case. Um, he also potentially has Cincinnati in playoff contention this year. Um, he might be one of those dudes who thinks he can get it done there. You don't know um, completely how these guys operate. Um, so that was it was basically based on some speculation about him and like some light info about him. Um, but no, I mean, he would walk in and be the best coach and he would kill it at USC. It's just from the fit stuff, it's more like, will he get hired? And that's where I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Mike Bones hired him once. Um, I would think he would be up there. If You know who I, else Mike Bones hired? Uh, he, John Embry or something? Tom Cable. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dan Hawkins. Dan Hawkins? John Embry. Yeah. And what? Mike McIntyre. Those are his head coaching hires before Luke Fickle. Yeah. What's What What would we call his percentage there? Not good. I'll give it 30% because I'll give half of Mike McIntyre. Fickle, uh, Fickle's good. Uh huh. Besides that, but so he was just trying some things out, and then he really hit hit his stride there at the end. That was, I mean, obviously that was a good one. I I do feel like when you that you know the LA Times did a long interview with his family and stuff. Like people will come, but 
you know, there's reasons to want to be where you are. They are moving to the Big 12. Now, the Big 12 won't be the same. I know. But he's doing great things at Cincinnati. Um, you could make the playoff at Cincinnati. I don't think you can win a national championship. But like USC, you could win a national championship there. Is that important to you? Or is it your six kids that you want to keep in the same schools in Ohio? Like, he knows the Ohio landscape recruiting-wise. He knows Ohio inside and out and could be the next Ohio State coach or Notre Dame coach or something. So like David said, if anything, I, I don't think USC would not be interested, but he might not be for, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't want to be. I still think, you know, like he would be the best coach in the Pac-12, I think, for sure. Yeah, like absolutely. David um, we got one more voicemail also about coaches. Here we go. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, just wanted to offer my condolences to Dave on the passing of uh, Secretary of State Colin Powell. Now it's been a rough year between passing of Colin Powell and Donald Rumsfeld for him, and I'm sure he spent a lot of time thinking about that. Um, anyway, uh, my question is for Ryan. I'm just wondering um, if you're surprised at all by any of the stuff that came out about Ed Orgeron at LSU and uh, looking back on that staff that you could see with Kiffin, Sark, and Ed Orgeron, were you surprised that? all those personalities were able to mesh and uh, help the team succeed as opposed to turning it into a clown car. Thanks guys. Uh, thanks Perk. Yeah. So the, I think the athletic did a really, I think it was the athletic. They did a really good piece on like sort of what was going on with Ed Orgeron and um, you know, it's hard to achieve success and build to that, but it's also hard to maintain it. And it looked like once Ed Orgeron achieved the success, you know, his marriage fell apart there was a lot of other concerns of what was going on here, made bad hires. There was just a lot of bad things that were going on there. He just didn't, you know, Nick Saban's amazing. The most amazing part about Nick Saban is that he could, you blow up his entire staff, all of his team leaves for be first round draft picks, and he does it again. Like that takes an insane amount of coach brain discipline to like ignore everything that could possibly go wrong. Ed Orgeron had one of the greatest college football teams we've ever seen, if not the greatest, and it just completely fell apart. I take nothing away from him. I give him credit for building that team. I don't say the people are saying like it was lucky. No, I mean, I think he built it, but he also screwed it up afterwards too. And, uh, you know, I like him a lot as a person. He's definitely got his demons he's dealing with. Um, there was, you know, that, that athletic article, there's a lot of interesting stuff of, of what was said about what was going on, but he, you know, he screwed it up after they won and he built it up, you know, when they did win and just made some really terrible hires. You know, he listened to like Pete Carroll, tell him to, to hire Bo Pelini and they pay the guy two and a half million dollars a year. And he was just awful, you know? Um, so he's done, he's done some good and bad. I hope he, you know, lands on his feet. He doesn't need to work. He's not going to work this next year. Um, we'll see what he ends up doing, but you know, he won a freaking national championship in college football. There's like, you know, six people on the planet. <laughs> so it's not that, uh, you know, I, I give him credit for that, but he he definitely, and I, I think he would tell you too at this point, like, yeah, man, I messed it up af afterwards. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. You want a natty. You want a natty. Um, my buddy Shotgun, he's uh, he's at Minute Maid. He's a big Braves fan, so he's tweeting. He should be at practice today. No, he was going to the World Series game. Well, good for him. Yeah, he flew out there. Uh, I'm just seeing his, his tweets and stuff. Uh, that's Minute Maid, right? Yeah. Does anybody like the Astros? You're not a baseball fan, right? Uh, you grew not, up there. Not anymore. I was an Angels fan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just seems like everyone hates the Astros no matter what. 
I don't have any strong feelings about the Astros. Oh, okay. but my my lasting memories of the Astros are Jeff Bagwell, uh, Craig Biggio, and uh, Carlos Beltran. The Killer Bees. Yeah, yeah. Were they American League? That I mean, they were National, national League. league. Yeah, and this now is they're... a National League World Series, as far as I'm concerned, because time <laughs> stopped for me in terms of baseball in like 2007. <laughs> no, just because of the cheating thing. That most people aren't rooting for them. Like I wouldn't say I would. They cheated. Root... I no idea. None. Did you even hear about that? Like, Don't care. I guess the Dodgers... I heard something about this. They were like looking at pitches or something. The, uh, baseball's a solved game. Like uh, the whole thing with like tracking how fast balls go out of the park is insane to me. <laughs> But like all this other stuff, but like they're like analyzing their spin rates on their fastballs and crap. Like now, it's just it's become nerded, and I'm a, I'm a nerd, so I don't I don't like I'm not begrudging the nerding of it. But nerding ruined baseball. It has ruined it. Um, it's not a fun game to watch to follow in any way for me anymore, uh, because all this stuff is just like these guys spend like. They're not even pitching to learn how to throw the ball. They're like analyzing their biometrics on the computer. It's just no, get out of here. The shifts. I don't like the shifts. I hate the shifts. And like I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, they're getting an advantage. And like football, I'm like, oh yeah, they're eking out an advantage. But this, I'm like, no. Baseball, like no, you, you short stop over there. Short stop over there. there. Second baseman <laughs> over there. None of this. No, we're not doing this. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah. And the whole thing is just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I sound like an old man railing against it, but it's just, it's not, it's not anywhere near as fun to watch anymore. All right. I think the first email is our kitty meow uh, from Mark in Vancouver. Hello, champions. Given the trajectories of both Washington State trending up after firing Koronovich and Arizona bolted down to the basement, can we reach out to our friends who can edit the drops so that the Arizona uh, drop has the meow? I'm writing this before this week's game against the Huskies, so unless. Arizona wins. They need to get the meow. Thanks for all the adequate work, Mark and Vancouver. You were so close to not. You were so close to getting just just hammered here, Mark. But um, luckily for you, Washington did beat Arizona. Yeah. Um, no, we're not going to do that mostly because it would require work. But yeah. uh, we appreciate the thought. Someone did try to do something for Arizona for us, but it was just too clunky. It didn't sound Yeah, good. we need something clean. Maybe we ask the person who did it for us the first time again. Like six Or if you're listening, because we're probably not going to remember to ask you, but if you're listening, <laughs> could you just do something? Uh, thanks. <laughs> uh, this is from Frank in Sacramento. Nick is nuts. Uh, the Washington State coach's resistance to the vaccine on Catholic religious grounds is bull. Vaccination is an act of love. Pope Francis went on, to say that getting a COVID jab that is authorized by the respective authorities is an act of love. Helping others do the same, he said, is also an act of love. Love for oneself, love for our families and friends, and love for all peoples. Love is also social and political. The Pope noted that social and political love is built up through small individual gestures capable of transforming and improving societies. Getting vaccinated is a simple yet profound way to care for one another, especially the most vulnerable, he said, from Frank in Sacramento. Obviously. Obviously, this is correct. Obviously, the Pope is saying the most basic thing <laughs> that's very easy to understand, which is, remains, always, in this entire stupid thing, going back a year and a half and more, even beyond vaccinations, it's not about you. It's about the people around you. Do the thing to keep safe so that the people around you don't die. Yeah. That's it. That's all. That's the whole thing. Pope nailed it. Pope's, Pope's just nailing it, left and right. <laughs> Um, Do you have any interest in the lawsuit or whatever? Oh, the lawsuit Nick Rolovich is going to lose? Yeah. No. Why would I care? It's going to get thrown out before it even gets anywhere. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the religious grounds, 
it's not religious grounds. That's that's his pretext. That's his. That's the only acceptable way that he could have framed his um, objection. His objection is political and conspiratorial. That's the obvious and uh, complete explanation for what's going on here. His lawyer denied that in Kyle's story. He said, no, yeah. this is, you don't, under, we, he didn't discuss the religious aspects with the, he never, so he never brought up any sort of religious exception or, uh, you know, to the, uh, the epidemiologist. Yeah, he, the guy no, he his, talked to. his lawyer sounded stupid. Like the lawyer's quote sounded dumb, um, which makes me think that he did not spend many of his uh, $3 million on that lawyer. Um <laughs> No, that that I thought the lawyers uh, lawyers shouldn't be given comments in that kind of story. I think they're angling for a settlement. I think that's the idea here, um, or to do something just PR heavy, like just try to get this out there. Um, maybe it's just all about being uh, Nick Rolovich just wants to be a quack on some you know channel or have his own Facebook stream or something, or get hired by somebody else. Like if he can save a little face, then maybe he's hireable again. I don't know, but I don't think he's touchable right now, right? No, no, he's not going to be hired as a football coach. No, <laughs> but no, like, no, definitely not. But if it'll that's be, your goal, like as it'll a lawyer. Be like, the next one is, it's going to be like the Art Bryles thing for like way less egregious reasons, but it's going to be like that. He's going to have to go work at a high school for a while. Wow. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is from our buddy Dev Null. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Arizona needs a win. All right. Now, we, we are completely sympathetic with this email. We didn't do it, but we we're sympathetic. Now on a 19-game losing streak, Arizona could really use a win. I know that by this point, you've already announced your new power rankings for this week. But if I may offer a proposal, rank USC number one in your power rankings. Each week, seemingly without fail, the new number one team, as announced in your power rankings, ends up losing. This week, Arizona goes on the road to take on USC. If you make USC your number one team this week, it guarantees Arizona the win. We all know that this conference is just a mess of more or less equally terrible teams. So it doesn't matter who you put as number one. Might as well do the Wildcats a solid and help them get their first win in two years. I think this came up on Twitter, and I seriously discussed it with you, right? Like You sent an email, and I didn't respond to that part of your email. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I brought this up. You did? We, were, we, we, we did we should do have it. done it. Yeah. Should we retroactively do it? No, nah, I think because that takes work, yeah. too. Um, All right. This is from our man, Hithliday. The Judgment of Paris. Looking around at all the inconsistent offenses in the Pac-12 and how tough Ar- and at how tough Army and Navy played their top 15 opponents this weekend, it seems like it's time for a change in philosophy. In the past, you boys have expressed interest in somebody in the league going for the triple option to help programs that don't recruit very well. You've pointed out that option football provides much-needed offensive identity for a team in chaos, since it's a unique scheme that opponents aren't ready for because they think too highly of themselves to employ it. So what are the odds Ken Nayomatololo finds himself in a bidding war this December in Los Angeles? Ooh. Ooh, he sunk the dagger in there right at the end. You know, you like that? In Los Angeles. Yeah, because he's saying, you know, you, you, you got it. You understood the answer. Yes. Uh, no, the, those wouldn't be the teams that would hire him, but I would love if the Pac-12 hired him. I'll just say it. I'd love it if UCLA did that. I think it'd be funny as hell. Look, if you're going to be bad every year or mediocre every year or never really as good as anybody thinks you should be ever, at least be kind of fun and ridiculous while you're doing it. What the hell? Why not triple option? No. Make the argument against triple option for UCLA. They recruit too well. (laughs) Recruit defense really well. And then uh, get like the, you know, fastest dudes who have no chance of playing uh, D1 football in the LA area and have them be your offense. Yeah, It'll be fine. You could do that. Um, Judgment of Paris, that's Greek, like the Trojan War thing. Is that right? Do you remember? What? 
<laughs> something. I don't. Is remember. it? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Sorry. No, you are. It was one of the. Oh, okay. The Judgment of Paris was the thing where Menelaus was messing with uh, was with Paris of Troy. Okay. And then they ran off with um, Helen. And then they took Helen. I think the, so. The Trojan War. Thing. Okay, something like that. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I was just wondering. Like, I so I Hippoday's try... like classical knowledge is really, 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 really excessive. Um, you're this one. You're requested to read. Okay. <laughs> is it the text message? Yes. Question for Dave: How much harder has moderating message boards become since you started? The toxic shitstorm in modern American need to see everyone who doesn't agree with you as a villainous slug who likes the smell of his own farts has to have made it harder, right? Specifically, I was wondering about the differences in fan response to DTR versus that of Brett Hundley. Both players seem largely in sim- uh, largely similar in terms of personal performance, yet fan response to DTR has been horrifically more toxic. Thoughts? Oh, well, this is a heavy topic. And he said, um, uh, don't let Ryan read this one. I would yeah. give up after two attempts. There wasn't really that, no, was, it wasn't wasn't that, that hard. It know. wasn't that bad. Um, that's, a, that's a heavy topic. Um, I think it has gotten worse, as with everything. Um Literally everything. Everything's uh, worse. Everything is worse now than it was 10 years ago, which is when I began <laughs> moderating Bro. Um, there's been a lot more turmoil, I think, in the world. Um, I think there's been uh, increased stratification of society where uh, people are you know, finding their combat lines on everything. Um, and I think the methods of arguing um, have gotten uh, transposed from different other areas of life to sports and different things and so i think it's a confluence of factors um i think with dtr and brett hunley specifically uh, there's a lot going on there uh dtr is a little bit more of um god what's what's the good word for it um a diva maybe oh a little bit more like he's he's got his own clothing line he's doing all this other stuff Hunley and was like the blue collar Hunley was just a dude going out there working hard and so i think there was there's an element where a certain set of fans uh they want to see that they don't want to see the other um from the guy who's playing quarterback i think brett Hunley was also a true superstar from basically his first snap at ucla DTR, it's taken longer, and you could make an argument he now is not as good as Brett Hundley was as a redshirt freshman. Um, I think there's a lot of um, valid criticisms of DTR, and I think a lot of it is also um, some personal bias at play based off either you previously held this opinion or you don't like the kid kind of personally, like you don't like the way he operates, which, okay, whatever. I think there's an argument to be made that a quarterback should operate a certain way. Um, and I think, you know, teams can make those determinations. Um, there's a lot going on well, with the the whole DTR assessment. My take on him, which hasn't really deviated, is that he is the most exciting average quarterback in college football. He's not bad. He's demonstrably not bad. But he also takes things off the table when he's out there. Um, you know, he doesn't read a defense particularly well. Um, he's got a rocket arm, no touch. Um, he he can, he can run the ball really, really effectively, but sometimes he makes really bad reads in the run game. Um, he, he does a lot of spectacular and that tends to make up for the, the mundane stuff that he screws up. But it's, it's, I would say now as a fourth year guy, I think he's above average. I don't think he's great. Um, I think his stats show you a story that he is very good that I don't think is told by your eyes. And I think this actually happened with Brett Hundley too, to an extent. Um, but I think Brett Hundley, his his floor 
was always higher than uh, Dorian's floor because he was never prone to the egregious mistakes gotcha, uh, yeah. that Dorian makes. Yeah, it's it's definitely harder as far as just the whole message board stuff goes. Uh, I think what the one thing you hit on, you have to emphasize, like people come in with an opinion, like a starting opinion, and you can never get them to change. It's like if they think a recruit is bad, like you write a story on Dorian Thompson Robinson when he's a junior, he hasn't started a game, Bishop Gorman, and someone doesn't like a quote he made, it's like, I don't like DTR. Yeah. Well, then he's like does well his senior year, and he comes to UCLA and he wins games, and starts, and and that guy like made a decision when he was a junior that he doesn't like him, right? And he's going to continue to not like him if he wins a national championship, if he wins the Heisman Trophy. It's like I still think he's terrible. Like you, they will never back off a spur of the moment decision that had no thought into it, but they've made it and they're going to stick with it to the end of time. Like that is what bothers me the most. Like no one can ever say, you know what. I really didn't like him at first. He's growing on me. Like no the, one says that anymore. The, the part. Uh, so I, I think a lot of it is theater. Like a lot of it is like they're arguing for arguing's sake. And I, I don't. I'm not like super opposed to that generally. Um, but there is. Uh, I find that people. It's not even like you have to change your mind. That's that's a bridge too far. <laughs> but simply like acknowledge that the other one has a point. Oh like, God, no. Just like oh. Uh, I don't think Dorian Thompson Robinson is a very good quarterback because of X, Y, and Z. Well, I think he's good because statistically he's good. Like statistically he ranks X or Y or whatever. Um, and you're like, oh yeah, I, I understand that about the stats, but I still think the egregious mistakes that don't necessarily fall into the stats uh, bring him way down lower. But that third one never gets said that way. It's mm. said this way. Uh, your stats are bullshit. You're bullshit. And he's horrible. You don't know anything about football. Like, You're could we idiot. all just yeah. agree he's average? Like, he's not the worst quarterback we've all ever seen. We all sat through McLeod Bethel Thompson turning the ball over six times against Notre Dame. Like, we all we all saw that game. He's not the worst quarterback we've ever seen. He's also not the best. Like, that's there, there's a lot of room there for us all to operate. <laughs> like, he's 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 fine. The offense is fine. Like, it's fine. It's not Chip Kelly masking all of his deficiencies, and Chip Kelly's such a maestro that that's why UCLA has a top 15 offense. Guess what? Part of that's Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yeah. Because he's the quarterback. Yeah. Um, if he was bad, like any like of 12 Big Ten quarterbacks, that would be that would be borne out in the team stats. But you can also say uh, he does things where he's not operating the offense perfectly efficiently, or it's not from down to down the level of efficiency it needs to be given the kind of team that they've created here, um, that he's not accurate enough, that you know all these things are maybe tamping down the ceiling of this offense. Fine. Yeah. But why does he need to be horrible or the best quarterback anyone's ever seen? And that feels like it's the dividing line on our message board right now, at least between like two of the most vocal subsets. And it's driving me insane because we're arguing about a guy who is demonstrably, demonstrably middling. That's what he is. Yeah. He's a middling quarterback and middling is fine. Like it's middling is not the reason UCLA is whatever it is, 15 and 24 in the last four years. It's the defense. And that's, that's what's going to get Chip Kelly fired eventually. All right. We got a lot on that. Uh, But thanks for the question. Uh, college football parody from Nick. Gentlemen, for years in college football, people were complaining that there was no parody 
It's always one team who's the best. It's funny to me that now there's parity across all of college football and everybody hates it. If you look at it, while the Pac-12 is not a very good conference, everybody's about the same, to be honest. It's really the same in the Big Ten. Everybody's making a big deal about Ohio State now after they lost to, let's just say, an OK Oregon team without their best player. Is the S, I think it means the SEC, always just Alabama and one other team that's really good. And this year, it's just Georgia. The ACC, God knows what's going on there. Same with the Big 12. After years of people complaining about no parity in college football and the rich get richer, isn't this what people really wanted from Nick? So, Nick, you're saying something that was said to me. I think um, I think Tracy brought it up, and he's like, uh, a lot more uh, upsets in college football the last few years. And you're... No, it's this year. This year is the first year in forever where there's been a pronounced, like, we don't know what the hell is going on. But it's still, we don't know what the hell is going on after, like, the top three teams. We know what the hell is going on with them. But everyone below that is very, very weird. The ACC fell apart because Clemson doesn't look good this year. Yeah. Um, Big 12, uh, Oklahoma's still undefeated. Um, And guess what? Guess what? Oklahoma's still undefeated. Ohio State's going to be a playoff team if they don't lose to Michigan. Alabama, if they beat, went out and beat Georgia, they're going to be a playoff team. Or Georgia is. Guess what those teams have in common? They've all been playoff teams several times before. <laughs> so I, I, I think there might be parity below that top tier, but that top tier is still the top tier. Clemson's having a down year. I think that's the big difference. Um, but Alabama, they lost to Texas A&M. Like they, they didn't, and they didn't get like they didn't lose by forty. They lost to Texas A&M. Yeah. Um, they. They might very well run the table and be the winner of the national championship this year. Here's the problem, too. Like, Wake Forest is a fun team, and they're undefeated. Like, someone filled in the the Clemson void there, at least for now. Now, they might not finish undefeated or whatever, but they're giving the ACC a chance. Oklahoma, like you said, is still undefeated. There's Ohio State is undefeated. They lost to, to Oregon. Michigan and Michigan State are playing this weekend. Top five teams or top ten teams, they're undefeated. Like, there's other options in these other conferences. Like the Pac-12, everybody's lost. Like the the team with the most Pac-12 wins isn't in the conference. It's BYU. No one has more wins in the Pac-12 than BYU. That puts the Pac-12 on a completely different tier than all these other ones you mentioned. Yes, there's more parity, uh, but there's still the blue bloods out there. And I think the cream is still going to rise to the top. But there's, you know, there's no Clemson. I get it. But Oklahoma could still win out, you know? But and I, w- I would say this one thing about the parity in the Pac-12. Um, yes, many years there's some parity, meaning that the top teams take a couple of losses and they're eliminated from the playoff contention. Um, this is not just parity. This is the worst the Pac-12 has been in at least 20 years. Like, this is... Yeah, there was parity the last, like, five or six years, right? There was only one playoff team, and it was in 2016. I get it. Um, but the Pac-12 is bad this year. It's not just that there's parity and these all team, all these teams are just beating up on each other. They're bad. Like yes. they're all bad. Oregon is a very average team. ASU is probably qualitatively the best team in the league, and they're not great. They're like top twenty. Um, they should be, you know, actually ranked or you know somewhere in that vicinity. But they're top twenty. They're not a top ten team. Oregon is definitely not a top ten team. If they somehow make it all the way to the playoff, they're going to get. <laughs> absolutely mollywopped. Um, but there's a lot of like, there's like four teams that are above average to decent. There's like a big middle that's in like the seventies. And then there's three just absolutely atrocious teams. And it's just, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, we got two more left. Yeah. Next up, we've got Paul Webfoot. Questions for Dave. Hello, champions. I have a couple questions for David about the Oregon versus UCLA game. Ryan, feel free to do what Dave normally does and stop caring about the podcast for a minute or two. Ryan is now leaving. But first, a joke. What do you call a group of Husky fans and Trojan fans sitting in a basement discussing recruiting? A wine cellar. So wine, W-H-I-N-E. Anyways, David, first first and foremost, I hope DTR is okay. Do you have any idea why Chip refused to double-team Kayvon Thibodeau and just continue to let DTR get hit again and again? A couple of times, it was just a running back assigned to block him. And while your running backs are great backs, that's just not a fair fight. Does Chip secretly hate DTR and want him to get it up or want him to get lit up? Did he place a large prop bet on how many uh, how many QB sponsor. hits <laughs> how many QB hits Kayvon Thibodeau would get? Uh, great questions, Paul slash Webfoot. Um, I think he has such a uh, pronounced and insane ego about his quality of talent that he was just constantly expecting that, oh, no, finally they're going to be able to block this guy. Um, it was insane to watch. Uh, I don't understand really what they were trying to do, what they were trying to get at, uh, but it was uh, brutal and awful to watch uh, Thompson Robinson just take hit after hit after hit after hit. It At some level, it was necessary because Thibodeau was really good. It was going to happen to some extent. To the extent that it did happen, was insane. Uh, additionally, Chip Kelly is also insisting that UCLA's missed field goal was actually good. I can't tell from any TV angle that I've seen. Thoughts? Also, why the hell don't we have taller uprights or lasers or cameras or something up there to avoid this bullshit when a kick sails above them? Get your shit together, NCAA. Yeah, I didn't see uh, an angle that showed me that it was actually good. I also didn't see one that was showing me that it was actually bad. I'm going to, you know, assume the officials looked up. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. Um, but the angle I saw, it kind of arcs right over the post. And it's just, it, it's hard to tell from any kind of TV angle. You would need either a camera looking directly up from the post um, with like a wide angle to see, you know, where it's going. Or you would need to triangulate based off of a few different angles. Um, I don't have that. So whatever, the call on the field feels fine to me. Don't don't hit your 35-yard field goal that poorly. I mean... That seems maybe like the most controllable aspect of this. <laughs> Drive that one in the middle of the uprights instead of like arcing left. I mean, if you hit it that badly, maybe you deserve not to get it, mm. right? Um, so anyway, uh, anyway, the missed field goal, yes, in theory, that would have made it a 34-all game. Uh, Oregon, uh, the postgame win expectancy for Oregon, according to Bill Connolly, was 98% in that game. If UCLA had made that field goal and somehow it was 34-34, it would have been the most egregious tie in the history of the world <laughs> at the end of regulation. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see anything clear that it was, uh, that it was uh, good. And then it said, "Thanks, Dave. Ryan, turn your brain back on. You've got to work. To, you've got work to do again." Yes, I opened up a diet cherry Pepsi while while that was going on. Did a little disgusting, a little R and R. You don't like that? No. Do you like diet soda? No. Do you like soda at all or not? Not really. Oh, okay. Um, I like diet cherry stuff. Great. Good for you. Uh, okay. Everyone has their kink, right? We have a text message. I did play. I played some beach volleyball this morning. Everyone has their kink, right? Yeah, it was good. A little exercise. Hey guys, do you have a plan for the survivor pool if everyone gets eliminated on the same week? Uh, we have no plan for anything. No, and like, there's no winner. Like, it's not like no. This we're gonna is... give them a hundred dollar gift card to jockey. Oh, are something. we? Yeah, we're gonna give oh, them shit. something. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, there's a winner. Um. That'll be a winner. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out when that Don't happens. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about yeah, it. We'll figure it out. But there's definitely guaranteed not a plan. No, no plan. 
Yeah, there's certainly not. It'll be arbitrary. You've listened. This is your first time listening to the show, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is no plan. There's a second text message attached to it. Yeah. Uh, second, what will you guys do if Arizona wins in USC? In USC? I guess at USC. Uh, it, <laughs> it is a USC conference home game because they, they're not good at those, he's assuming. Uh, but it is Arizona who hasn't won in over two years. So something will have to give. So, Ryan, let's throw out the, the plus 21, minus 21. Yeah, yeah. Is Arizona winning this football game? I mean, there's. I don't think so. But so all right. So there when, is a world when Joiner like, when, when Joiner comes out there and lines up as the starting quarterback. How will your evaluation of that change? I will feel much better about the spread <laughs> for sure. How 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 confused will Todd Orlando be when Joiner comes out there? Yeah, I think it would be very confusing. Um, this, there, I, I think, like in Rick and Morty world, like there's definitely these parallel universes that Arizona wins this game. I just feel like the Drake London show is going to be too much for them to overcome, but I feel like they can keep it close. I'm, I'm a little bit worried. If I wasn't as worried about how much they put into that Washington game, the hangover effect, like, can you, can you ratchet it back up and say, we're going to go get a win on the road? Like, that's what I have an issue with. I feel like they put so much into trying to beat Washington. And it was right there. And if they got that win, I think they'd have some momentum. But it might just come crashing down after that loss. You know they what were, I mean? They were two decisions to throw the ball with Will Plummer away from winning that football game. Just don't throw the ball. Do not yeah. throw the ball. Don't throw the ball. Jed, I'm begging you. Please don't throw the football. Yeah. Run the goddamn ball. It's driving me nuts, man. Just run the friggin' zone read. <laughs> I made this point on, uh, on the old Twitter Twitter.com, which mm. is, uh, why don't, did the zone read ever truly get stopped? I know these teams develop strategies for it. They've got speed at outside linebacker. They learned how to hedge against it better and all this stuff. Did it ever truly get stopped or did coaches just get bored? Yeah, maybe. Because just run that. Have that be your entire friggin' offense this week and see what happens. I love it when Guess people... what? Guess what? USC is never going to defend it properly. No. Maybe one play they will, and then the next play it'll go for 15 yards. Yeah. I love the teams that run that and they don't have a quarterback that can run. Like that's that's great. It's beautiful. Yeah. The 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 RPO where it's just a, a pass or they hand it off. Right. Just yeah. It's crap. Okay. Run the goddamn ball. Uh I it's college football. Hour forty five minutes. Yeah. Um Record time? Not really. No. We didn't have that many questions even. And we didn't do no. like 10 minutes of reading reviews. <laughs> no, I just yelled about Arizona and Colorado for a long time. I, I felt like we discussed that game before we discussed the game. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, that's some crazy stuff. This is, okay, this is a wacky-ass conference. It's wacky. You don't say. It is. And I'm listening to more podcasts that talk about this conference. And again, I feel like that's on us. Because if we were somewhat competent at our jobs, they would say one terrible Pac-12 podcast is enough. Now we got a whole bunch of them to listen to, and they, everyone can just make fun of this conference week after week. It's, uh, yeah. Okay, real quick. Can Oregon make the playoff? They can. Okay. They're not going to, but they can. Okay. But you don't think they will? You don't think they went out? No, I don't think they went out. If they went out, I think they I think if they went out, they will. will. Yeah. Because yeah. they got the, the Trump over... The Arizona, I mean, oh, the Ohio State, but 
like if Michigan wins out or Michigan State and beats Ohio State, then yeah. they, they kind of lose that trump card. But yeah, I know there's there will be some wacky stuff that's happening. But I think Oregon's going to lose a game here somewhere somewhere. Yeah, else, I mean they go at Washington. Not this weekend. No, they go at Washington. They go at Utah. And they've got Oregon State at home. Like between those three games, there should be at least one loss. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, that's going to wrap it up uh, for. David Woods, I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast of Champions. Hope you enjoyed the show. Enjoy all the Saturday Pac-12 games this weekend, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.